Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello there, listeners. I'd like to start this show by thanking Owen McDowd for giving me the opportunity to present while he's on his honeymoon. The first week of the year, all our listeners are in great form, but not only that, there's a lot of top sport going on, Murph. Mm. It's a time when there's a real O'Byrne Cup buzz in the air. The dart seasons are changing from the Brexit-loving PDC to the Brexit-loving BDO. Embassy starts on Saturday, by the way. I'm actually genuinely excited about yeah. that. Uh, you lads just won't let me talk about it on air. But no. most of all, it's a time for honesty, lads. This is producer Mark Horgan in for today's show, along with Murph and Honest Ken Early there. Hello there. How you doing, Mark? Honest Lion, Ken. Lion Mark. <laughs> Honest Ken, you showed the way in the very first broadcast I heard in 2017. This is from an Irishman abroad. He agrees with plenty, just it's always who's saying it, it's never what's actually said. 90% of anything is who's saying this, and 10% is what are they actually saying. So the 90% in Giles' case is, oh, it's that twat. John is the best football brain in the world. He just thinks I'm an annoying twat. But if you're talking about the, the, the press, which you're talking about, have this you know, opinion of Guardiola, it doesn't necessarily mean that football people have. Yeah, I, I think I do like Ken Early's work. He writes fluently and thinks uh, cogently, but uh, I think he's wrong. The press come and go, as we know. You mentioned Ken Early. Well, yeah. you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with anything Ken Early says about football. He just thinks I'm an annoying twat. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, what can you, what can you do? You can't please everyone. Tell them like it is there, Ken. Well. <laughs> Where did you first come to the conclusion that John Giles thinks you're a twat? Um, pretty early on. Some, you know, I mean, you can... I mean, I look quite different then as well. I recently saw a photograph of myself from about 2004. Mm. Uh, I can just... See. What was wrong? Well, there, wasn't, there wasn't wrong. I, I, I mean, well, according to John Giles, there was. But anyway, well, I, well maybe, I, maybe we'll we'll tweet the photograph. You can make up your own minds of what John Giles was likely to think when he saw <laughs> when he saw this standing in front of him in the New York office, offering to make a good. Well, describe it. Was it a sneery, to- a sneery tone in your face? No, like a sneery expression. No, just a just a great deal of uh, of hair, mm. a lot more than I remember having, mm. but apparently it was there. So I just don't know how it would have gone down in the leads. Too much of a hippie. <laughs> For my liking, Owen. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm right in saying this is a long-running thing because I, I was thinking back and I don't ever... I think he never wanted you in studio for those interviews with Owen that uh, we used to do in the radio. Um, yeah. I never think, no, I he, think he, he never wanted you in studio at the same time. Didn't he ban you? Uh, well, originally when we did the bit with John, we were kind of... I was there with Cher. We were, we were all kind of talking football, <laughs> just, a, just a bunch of guys. <laughs> but after the first one... Uh, John suggested that too maybe much, it would be better. Too much of a hippie there, Jer. Maybe it would be better if it was uh, 
just just a mano a mano, yeah, one on one. So that was that, that was fine. That was I respect that. For twenty seventeen, why don't we get John Giles in studio to discuss why he hates you? <laughs> Clear the air. Yeah. If you're listening, and if I know John Giles like I think I do, which I'm pretty sure he is, John, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Otherwise, we're going to keep playing these. I got a bone to pick. I do like Ken Early's work. I do like Ken Early's work. I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with Andy. Ken Early says about football. I'm mad, but I ain't stressed. He writes fluently and thinks uh, cogently. You mentioned Ken Early. What I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with Andy. Ken Early says about football. He just thinks I'm annoying twat. Actually, they re- reflect much worse on us than they do with John Jones. They do. I mean, the puerile... Hitting uh, back in voice, a real mature way. Yeah, uh, voice uh, manipulation is it's no way to... <laughs> Here, if you want me to put a call in, uh, Mark, I'm happy to do it since while John worked with us, he did actually remember my name as mm. opposed to, you know, say you, for instance. Well, he only met me maybe 300 times. Mm. He just never really got. He, you just have one of those faces. Yeah, no, I'd always be trying to impress him as well when he because you greet him before he goes to speak to yeah. Owen. And he'd always I remember come how I'd ostentatiously go in and say, yeah. "Mark, is there anything you'd like from outside, Mark?" There was a real Mr. Burns Homer Simpson vibe there. No, it was hi John. The devil thank, are you? Hi John, thanks so much for coming in. And be like, yeah, no problem there. <laughs> from the man who says the name always in that. Always will finish the sentence I do with the name yeah, of the person exactly. speaking yeah, to. Yeah. It, was, it became cruelly obvious in that case. No dogs were harmed in the making of that clip, by the way. Uh, a wolf was shot dead, uh, but that's it. Actually, you strangled <laughs> no another wolf as well, Murphy, because the sound effect wasn't what we were looking for. Yeah, yeah. The shooting dead is fine, but the, just the, the gurgling throat, that's what we needed for that particular sound effect. Anyway, on today's show, we welcome back Brian Murphy for the first time since our Liberty Hall show in Dublin that started December, which was certainly one of my second captain's highlights of 2016, mainly because of Bobby Sadlier, but uh, Brian was, was okay too. Uh, now we'll speak to him very shortly and we're also going to talk about Ronda Rousey uh, yes Ken I'm getting back on the UFC horse after being dealt some angry MMA mob justice oh, yeah. in tweet form uh, <laughs> after my head nearly exploded when Ken defended comparing McGregor to Muhammad Ali last time uh, mm-hmm. a couple of months ago yeah. I'll try not to take the bait this time Ken yeah well uh, what, what are we going to be talking about with Ronda she's had some setbacks mm. some serious setbacks yeah she got destroyed in under a minute last weekend we'll discuss how a lot of people are turning on one of the sport's biggest superstars, a woman who paved the way for female UFC. According to Fox Sports, Clay Davis, she's the most fraudulent creation in the history of sports. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that he thinks that sports created a human being. Uh, that's, a, that's a strange phraseology that he's gone for there. Sorry, did you say Clay Davis? Yes. Uh, Clay Davis, isn't he the guy from The Wire? Shit. <laughs> Clay Travis, I think, is the one you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, Clay Travis is uh, is a uh, um, Fox believe- Sports uh, guy. I can't believe I've pissed off MMA fans already. I was trying really hard there. <laughs> I mean, it's basic respect to remember someone's name, Mark. Wouldn't you agree? I don't think we need to worry too. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't need to. <laughs> we don't need to worry too much about it in this instance. I don't think. Okay, we'll come back to speak to, about Clay Travis a little later. Right now, let's check in with this guy. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. Now, this man was last spotted emotionally waving goodbye to Ireland from a taxi on Wexford Street in Dublin as the sun was beginning to rise on December 5th. Happy New Year, Brian Murphy. We've missed you. Ah, <laughs> uh, was it all a dream, boys? Was it real? <laughs> Did we really do that? We pulled it off, and then we had to just kind of take a few weeks off while we all licked our wounds and uh, hibernated and, and, and came out of our caves for 2017. But first and foremost, my first chance to talk to you guys since... The epic live show, at least it was for us. I hope the audience oh, enjoyed it. Yeah. The epic live show at the Liberty Hall Theater. And yeah, that was the deal. I, uh, I didn't know. Uh, there's a picture of me in the, in the early dawn in front of, the, um, uh, in front of Whelan's. And uh, I'm getting in the cab. At, and the great David O'Doherty, who I really got to enjoy <laughs> as we pulled a couple of uh, all-nighters in the pubs there, 
He said I was standing in front of Eddie Rockets, a.k.a. Empty Pockets, which I had never heard before, and I enjoyed that. But, boys, after about 65 minutes sleep in the hotel, you can call it sleep or you can call it a sort of a vague day state. I caught a cab from a classic Northside Dubliner uh, cabbie and on to Dublin Airport. I think I slept the entire way from Dublin to San Francisco, tumbled off the plane, and presented myself to my wife and kids as if nothing had ever happened. Wow. So, Ta- thank you guys. Tail firmly between legs, I'd say, when you're riding to <laughs> San Francisco. <laughs> they were tremendous. I tell you, I haven't found the crack back here in uh, San Francisco to be quite the same. You Dubliners put on a hell of a show. And uh, I can't wait to somehow, some way, get back again. But let's, we won't worry about that. We'll just bask in the glow of that. We said goodbye to 2016. And here we are in 2017, boys, still friends. You feeling good about 2017? Tell the truth. Well, as I wrote to Kieran in an email, I said, you know, I said, on, on paper, it's great that so far 2017 hasn't killed off any brilliant sportsman or artist. But the other part of it is, is that we're only about 16 days away from uh, swearing in, and uh, pardon my French, I just have to say the biggest prick in the history of U.S. politics. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> 2017 giveth and taketh. Uh, I mean, man, we talked so much. I still remember talking to you guys the morning after the election, and it was only like hours old. I remember, like, mm. it, I was, I look back on that morning I talked to you guys after the election as like one of the most, I think I was as dreamlike then as I was in that cab going to Dublin Airport after the live show all nighter. But I still can't put two and two together. It's just getting worse and weirder with Trump, and I'm just going to focus on. Focus on what I can control, like my feelings about uh, the sports world, the NFL playoffs, the Warriors, baseball spring training beginning. My college basketball team is good again. All the fun bowl games we had here in the States. So I got to stay in my lane, boys, and not get too upset about what's going to happen on January 20th in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and in previous years, uh, we talked loads of NFL, but between Trump and your visit to Dublin, uh, we barely mentioned all of this season. So... um, the NFL playoffs were confirmed after the, the last regular season games on Sunday. One of the surprise packets, I think, are the Oakland Raiders. Um, and now when I think of the Raiders, what springs to mind are lads in uh, my hometown of Drogheda wearing uh, LA Raiders bomber jackets and baseball caps uh, in the early 90s, Brian, around school. I, of course, was jealous of those guys as well. Obviously, you know, they, yep. yep. They were never offered to me or was, they were unattainable. <laughs> Murph. But, Style uh, icon. I, I think that's for me, is the greatest indicator that I have of a storied franchise, Brian. Uh, I, I presume it's good that these guys are back in the big time? Well, it's really funny you say that because that makes me feel like so. It was basically the cultural influence of uh, the rap group N.W.A. Right? Because <laughs> I think Easy, I think Ice Cube and Dr. Dre and those guys were wearing Raiders gear, and I think that's got to be the only way that the boys from Drahada wound up in <laughs> yeah. early '90s L.A. Raiders gears because they were trying about, to be yeah. straight it, out of Drahada. Yeah, right? it, it, it took about five years for them to get for, for it to get across the Atlantic as well. So. <laughs> But uh, Navin were always always more dog They're no longer the LA the Raiders. They're the Oakland Raiders. Back in the in the city they were born in 1961. In fact, I know Owen's on vacation or off today. But you know how easy it was to uh, snake charm him into becoming a Warriors bandwagon fan. If he had spent a little couple extra days, I could have sent him over to Oakland to the Black Hole Boys, the famous. Raider fan den called the Black Hole. You guys have the hill at Croke Park. We have the Black Hole in Oakland where only the craziest, only the looniest, and I'm talking guys, I'm talking guys dressed in full Darth Vader regalia. I'm talking cape, lightsaber, helmet. I'm talking guys dressed as skeletons. I'm talking guys with skulls, uh, skull masks over their head. Those are the Raider fans. How the Raider fan went from being in the 1970s when I was growing up, sort of the blue-collar alternative to San Francisco. They had Ken Stabler and John Madden and, and a bit of a run. They won a Super Bowl. They were in several AFC championships. And then somehow, somewhere over the last 20 years, their fans went bananas. And they started – it was Halloween. And you got Vader and the skeletons and the costumes and all these lunatics and face paint. So they have been – Quite colorful, but terrible. That team has been so bad for so long. They've missed the playoffs 14 straight years from 02 to 16. But here they are back in the playoffs. And that's the great news for the NFL because they're such a colorful franchise. They're such a historic franchise. The bad news is two weeks before the season ended, their star quarterback, Derek Carr, bright young talent, great kid, humble, hardworking, Christian, God-fearing Derek Carr, broke his leg in the second-to-last game of the season and is out for the entire playoffs 
He's the most important guy on the team, and nobody rates them a chance at all now with Derek Carr out. So we went from having this great, great, great story. They were going to probably tangle with the New England Patriots, and it was going to be a big review of the tuck rule for you NFL trivia fans over there in 01 when Tom Brady's legend was launched. There was a very controversial call when the Raiders were about to beat the Patriots in the snow in New England, and they called Tom Brady's pass incomplete instead of a fumble, but something called the tuck rule. Raider fans have been waiting 15 years to avenge that, and they were going to get their chance, and now Derek Carr broke his leg. So the sports injury gods have robbed us. That said, they go down to Houston this Saturday, take on the Texans. They might be able to beat them, but that might be about it for the Raiders until Derek Carr gets healthy. It's going to be next year for the, for the Darth Vader crew. Uh, it's actually been a very good year for a team who for teams whose apparel has been worn most often by completely clueless uh, <laughs> Irish NFL fans in inverted commas. Because if the Raiders are in that top five, then so too surely are the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, th- what I found really interesting about this is that we've spent years talking about Tony Romo and uh, going back and forth and whether this guy was a you know a player good enough to lead the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl. Uh, they lose him at the start of the season. And his rookie replacement, uh, Dak Prescott, uh, turns out has been uh, an absolute revelation. And they, they finished the season, what is it, 13-3? Um, like, are, are they actually good enough to go on and make it to a Super Bowl? They are, and you're right. Truly unexpected. Truly unexpected turn of events, and you're right. We spent years and years over Tony Romo because Tony Romo was sort of a romantic story because he was undrafted out of a small college, Eastern Illinois, so he had sort of that that story of the ultimate underdog, uh, and he was, took over for the Dallas Cowboys and played fantastic. I mean, the guy was a tremendous player. He racked up tremendous yardage, tremendous stats, tremendous wins. And then, of course, on top of that, he became a bit of a minor celebrity for sort of his playboy ways, handsome guy. The ladies liked him, and he was kind of dashing around with, uh, didn't he date Jessica Simpson, I think, briefly, if I recall, if I had to go back into my into my annals of my Cowboy trivia. I'm not a Cowboys fan, so uh, the rise of the Cowboys uh, is always a little bit disgusting to me. But, yeah, he gets hurt because he's, he's 36 years old now, and he's had a history of bad backs, and he fractures a little vertebrae bone. And so you figure the Cowboys are done. This kid, Dak Prescott, he was a good quarterback at Mississippi State, a, a good college, but not a premier, premier college like Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State or USC, any of these glamour colleges mississippi state's a little bit more of a uh, sort of a it's in the sec which is a predominant is a prestigious conference and he was a good player but he wasn't selected until the fourth round of the nfl draft you don't usually find stars in the fourth round of the nfl draft most every quarterback with the glaring exception of tom brady is a first round star like an aaron Rodgers or people like that so to find this guy in the fourth round and then to just hand him the keys to the cowboys and then to win 13 games was, I think, without question, the biggest story of the NFL season. The surge of the Cowboys, the return of, quote-unquote, America's team, a phrase which has nauseated most of us since the 1970s. Ugh, hate the Cowboys and their stupid (laughs) fans and all that stuff. But really, the true story about them, the true story... Is, is not just Dak Prescott. It's their, their rookie running back, Ezekiel Elliott, out of Ohio State. He has been maybe even the better player. So two rookies, a quarterback and a running back, and they have a tremendous offensive line. You know, it's not sexy to talk on Irish podcasts about U.S. NFL offensive lines. It's the least glamorous thing in the world. But their offensive line is tremendous. It's one of the best, along with the Raiders in the NFL. So what they do is they protect Dak Prescott and they charge, they blow open a lot of holes for Ezekiel Elliott. So they have a a tremendous chance to the number one seed. They have home field, but they have a couple of lurking teams out there. Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers are back. They're getting hot. They've won six in a row. They're a scary team. And this team that's kind of a boring franchise, the Atlanta Falcons, looks like they really have a chance this year with Matt Ryan and a good offense and a good defense to go in and knock off the Cowboys. But So the NFC is, I think, much more competitive than the AFC, which looks like the Patriots and really nobody else. Yeah, the Romo thing, though, is, is just one of these weird things that sport throws up from time to time. You know, that a guy waits his entire career to try and do something with the Cowboys, and the season he gets injured... Or, you know, like the, the, all the other pieces in the puzzle come together for the Cowboys at the exact moment that Romo's career is effectively finished by injury. You know, it, like, it is a bizarre like, thing to happen. It's like an O. Henry short story or something, you know, or the Twilight Zone, the popular show here in the U.S. in which irony rules the roost. Everything 
uh, ironic that happens in somebody's life, and, and that is the deal. You know, you, you guys are right. We were so um, caught up in the run-up to the trip to Ireland and, and the NFL's decline this year is that we didn't talk about Romo, and, and the part of the story that probably got the biggest news was when he became healthy in mid-November – the huge question was, what are the Cowboys going to do? Do you stick Tony Romo right back in there because he's been the guy? Or do you keep riding this guy, Dak Prescott, who's one of the hottest quarterbacks in the entire league and keeps winning? And what happened was, was probably one of the most significant moments in the entire NFL season was Tony Romo gave this, like, as Kieran, we talk about speeches because I heard you do the speech from the dock, right? <laughs> Which was one of the greatest things I've ever, you know, been a part of there, my Emmett walking tour. Mm-hmm. Well, Tony Romo gave his version of the speech from the dock. <laughs> he gave this incredible, unbelievable, pre-written statement of why he would not press the Cowboys to insert him into the starting lineup. It was a treatise on, on teamwork, sportsmanship, how to deal with disappointment. I mean, it really was like a startlingly good speech. It was prepared. He, so the deal was he was saying, it's not my time. It is Dak Prescott's time. And while I've lived my entire life for this moment, it's my moment to step aside and let the team go on without me because they are doing great. And for me to insert myself right now would be the wrong thing to do. It was like startling. It was like so well done. You know, you had a couple people – who were cynical about it, saying, ah, it's PR spin or whatever. But I bought in. I really did. I thought it was spectacular. If you guys can dig it up somewhere and play any of it, it's worth your while because he he was so gracious and sportsmanlike while acknowledging his burning competitiveness. Like, it's, it was killing him that this was happening to him. But at the same time, you know, saying it's about the team and football is the ultimate team game. And I've learned since I was a little kid so you know that the team is bigger than me. I mean, you couldn't believe it. It was like a tr- it was a package of clichés plus heartfelt sentiment plus, you know, perspective plus maturity that wound up being, you know, Tony Romo's speech from the dock and uh, so he's blessed D- Dak Prescott to go on. It almost made me like the Cowboys for just a half a second. <laughs> Brian, your 49ers are in complete meltdown. They finished the season 2 and 14. Um, we remember you took down 49ers CEO Jed York. We took him downtown a couple of years ago. I think we played some of the audio. We've got, we've got, we've got a clip here. We're going to play it again. And it's not encouraging to me that this is the second time in the York ownership that you guys have dismissed a popular and winning coach for no apparent good reason. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I hear you. And you know what? Nothing that I say is going to appease you. The only thing that's going to appease you is doing exactly what you just said, bringing the right person in here and getting the team back to a Super Bowl winning caliber, period. Well, that's it. Yeah, that was after they sacked Jim Harbaugh a couple of years ago. His plan didn't work out, Brian. Uh, we know that uh, um, uh, his head coach and general manager, they were fired. Uh, they were both fired this week. Did you get a chance to uh, have another go? We did. We had another go. Unfortunately, it wasn't one-on-one, and it was in a big room, so you had to fight for the microphone like a seagull going for a breadcrumb. I only got one question in, and he tried to zing me. You guys should find I said, um, first of all, I asked him, it is a mess. And by the way, we know it's incredible. You just played that sound, and that, mm. that sound bite he just gave me, that nothing I say is going to appease you. The only thing is bringing in the right person. He said the exact same stinking thing two days ago. <laughs> nothing I say is going to appease you guys. He has it. He hasn't learned that it's time for him to step aside and hire somebody to make the hires. He cannot, he is not capable. I don't want to turn this podcast into a screed against Jed York's mismanagement and ineptitude, but it's true. And we had our chance to go out there, uh, and I got one question in where I asked him, you know, he had said, somebody had asked him last year, well, what have you learned from all this? And his answer was, I've learned to stay off social media. And it was such a stupid answer. I said, you know, here we are a year later. I said, now after two failed coaches, can you give us anything more substantive than I've learned to stay off social media? And he said, well, I've learned to stay off KMBR too. Uh. It was like, there was no laughter. It was this dead silence in the room. He can't even get his one-liners off. So <laughs> we, uh, we're back slapping our foreheads and rolling our eyes. And the 49ers, you know, we talked about great franchises here, the Raiders, mm. And the Cowboys, well, the 49ers are right on that level. You know, they're one of the great historic franchises. They're, they're, you know, only the Steelers have more Super Bowl titles than the 49ers. I mean, that's incredibly tall cotton 
for this franchise's history, and they are a disaster. They're a laughingstock, and they're a joke. And the only way is if he somehow, way, gets lucky with his next hire, if he finds the next Bill Walsh, but nobody is optimistic that that can be the case. We're in ruins over here. So we're just concentrating on Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and the Warriors in the meantime. Uh, by the way, Brian, what do you think the top five NFL teams um whose apparel that we wear the Irish clueless Irish fans wear what do you think they are we've given you Dallas Cowboys and we've given you Oakland Raiders what are the other well, three the, the incredible the incredible uh, uh, link between Dublin and Boston uh, if I if you dropped me in either city blindfolded I wouldn't sure which city I was in you guys are such yep. uh, sister cities so it's got to be the New England Patriots <laughs> yep. right yeah, that's right take yep. that one yep. yep we have two more to okay, go so we got Cowboys Cowboys Raiders Patriots right yeah yep. Uh, I'm going to say that the uh, the lingering greatness of the Joe Montana 49ers is going to get you a top five. Uh, that's number six. It's number six, Brian. I'm sorry. Ah! <laughs> there's one more, one more obvious okay. one. And then I'm, ruling, I'm ruling out the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, dot, dot, you'd dot. be correct. Uh, well, listen. I mean, listen. I was a little jealous with how much you guys talked about how much you loved your trip to New York that podcast trip you guys took to New York, mm-hmm. making me feel like we didn't do a good enough job of entertaining you in San Francisco. <laughs> so is it the New York Giants? Yes. yes. One more. Okay. And then I got to go with the other great uh, Irish city in America, Chicago Bears. Ooh. I, I couldn't give it to you. I'm, I was going to give you a hint there, and that was uh, Ace oh. Ventura, Pet Detective. Are you the freaking Miami Dolphins? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh my god! Yeah, and they're is all it because the play- of Ace Ventura. Yeah, <laughs> I think mostly based on Ace Ventura. Yes, and they're all in the playoffs, Brian. <laughs> See, we know our shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! The, I, I tell you what. I mean, Dolph- Raiders, Cowboys, Patriots, Giants. Uh, I, I respect all. I cannot respect the. Dol- I know the Dolphins actually have a great history from the '70s, but that's one of the worst fan bases in all of American sports. Miami is like the worst sports town. The fans there are just. So, sort of non-existent. They're all just at the beach, or they're cruising, you know, whatever uh, South Beach, looking for their next uh, supermodel. It is not a passionate sports town like the other four teams that you mentioned. They do have. But a I green. do remember being in Ireland and seeing, like, didn't Wayne Huizenga, who used to own the Dolphins, didn't he golf a lot in Ireland? Didn't he? Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. I think he did. I was over I, in the west of Ireland playing golf. I saw his picture on a few golf club horse walls. So yeah. maybe. Maybe that was it. It's or maybe green. you guys are just big fans of the undefeated 72 Dolphins, the guys <laughs> who pop champagne every time somebody yeah. loses because they get to be the only undefeated team. Those wackers. Uh, I don't know. I, I go with the, uh, I, you know, I'm not a Raiders guy. I'm a 49ers guy. Uh, out of that gear, out of those five teams, well, I can't really embrace any of them, but uh, I'd probably go with the Patriots because Tommy Brady, a good Irish Catholic boy. So good luck, guys, to your uh, to your teams. And get those Niners into the top five. As long as Jed York owns them, though, the chances are not good. Brian, before we wrap, we've just got time for you to tell us what the top GA jerseys are over in the States. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys know how it, I mean, listen, I can't, I can't, I can't walk down. You've been in this office. We didn't walk a block without somebody wearing the regal red of the, uh, the Rebel County uh, <laughs> cork. I mean, come on, man. And then you turn the next corner, and there it is, the, the, just the majestic green and gold of the kingdom. So mm-hmm. carry cork one, course, carry yeah. two. Uh, after my, my lock-in at Whelan's, I think I saw some guys down the street wearing the blue dubs jersey, yeah. Dublin 3, uh, and then I'll have to get back to you on the next two. <laughs> oh, wait. Kieran, look. There's a Galway jersey. Yes, Number yes, the four Maroon, is Galway. The Maroon, the Maroon one. Cork you love one. Carry two. Dublin three. Galway four. And all due respect, Mark, to your wonderful home county of Meath, I believe, um, right? Whose colors yeah. are? I'm going to say you guys are sixth because i got to shout out my boy and Kieran met him. The Banner County, the Saffron yellow, the Saffron and blue of the uh, of <laughs> the got County there Claire. Yeah, nice to be played. The, the, the Banner. So there we go. We're Claire gr- number five. We're green and gold, Brian, you bullshitter. <laughs> Listen, uh, lovely to talk to you for the first time. We can't wait to talk to you all 2017, Brian. Uh, you guys are the best, man. It was a dream come true, and uh, everything else has been a letdown. So go 2017. We'll see you soon. Second captain. They're better at the internet than we are. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Second captain. That's a humorous comment. I thought that. Do you believe this? It's so unbelievable. Second captain. On the internet. I'm going to bomb the shit out of them. It's true. I don't care. 
I don't care. They've got to be stopped. Okay, Murph, fill everyone in on what the playoff games are. Okay, so the Oakland Raiders play the Texans at 9.35 Saturday night, followed by Seattle at the Detroit Lions just after 1am on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Then on Sunday, it's uh, Miami Dolphins at the Pittsburgh Steelers at 6pm. Last game of the weekend is the New York Giants at the Green Bay Packers at 9.40 all on Sky Sports 1. More importantly, Ken Early, I'd put good money on a young Ken Early at some point wearing some American football or indeed American sports brand gear around the mean streets of Temple Oak. No. In the late 80s, early 90s? No. Playing a little quasar in a Denver Broncos bomber jacket? No, never did. Never did. I remember lots of people had like the LA Riders uh, kind yeah. of rain jackets or whatever. I never had one. Um, Why not? I just, I, I just didn't... I wasn't into it. I didn't really get why they were all wearing it. Um, I did. I do. I think own an American football top, which a friend of mine gave me as a present. But I was already about twenty six or twenty seven when that happened. Mm. It was an Olsen Chicago Bears top. If you ever, if you wear an American football top, it just looks totally ridiculous. It's, you can't wear it without a bunch of armor. So there's not really any point. You were too old to become a jock then. I was too old and didn't really have the. The musculature Physique, at that yeah. stage, and it was getting a bit late in the day. So when I was about fourteen or fifteen, I was a lar- I was a tall, thin, gangly fourteen, fifteen year old, and uh, I was sent a Denver Broncos long sleeved T shirt. I thought this was pretty cool, so I saw that it was a medium. I was like, well, that's going to be a little small, but I'll throw it on anyway. I threw it on. It was it's the largest piece of fabric I've, I can ever I can say safely that I've ever worn in my entire life. The thing was a tent. Uh, so I've I I I I felt similar to yourself, Ken. Yeah. That did you think it was really cool? I thought it was pretty. Did cool, you wear yeah. it to teenage discos? No, no, God, no, no, no. It's, um, shirts all the way at teenage discos. I mean, you know, you're not pleb. You know, you gotta wear shirts to these things. I I personally had a Chicago Bulls cap that I wore between the ages of about nine and sixteen. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I just loved the way a cool thing back then. Well, I thought it was cool. Uh, it was for girls and boys to have was just a, a t-shirt or a tracksuit top that with an American location on it. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't have to be an American sport or American fran- uh, sports franchise. It it just like uh, would be something like a t shirt with Miami two thousand on it or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Uh, San Diego nineteen seventy three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Surf yeah. Club. Usually a year. Um, and I'd also be a great man to wear, like you're saying, with the surf club, just a t shirt with just a sport on it. So American baseball ninety five or uh, all star ice hockey Raiders or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really it's it was quite something the shite that we put on ourselves. The full- literally not a. Not a, not a second thought. Yeah, the full all-star ice hockey Raiders tracksuit, if possible, would be would be better again. Okay, let's get to this. I've got a call here that says, you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh, God. That's just it. I just Whoa. mentioned, not you, not me. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click. Click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom. We don't normally click, broadcast all click, the, the stuff click, that comes from scum click, around the country. Click. Yes, remember to become a Second Captain Scumbag. Simply email editor at secondcaptains.com or tweet us at secondcaptains with your observations, complaints and most importantly, compliments about the show. Now, hidden amongst all the abuse I got from MMA fans the last time I presented Second Captains was actually more abuse. Uh, this time from <laughs> disgusted but listeners. Of a, but of a different a kind. A different kind. Uh, from disgusted listeners who felt I missed a trick whilst no one was away. Uh, Dennis Kavanagh said, Mark, enjoyed the show. You know, not... A ringing endorsement there anyway. Enjoyed but, the show. I mean, uh, you enjoy a sandwich. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but devastated you didn't take advantage of Owen's absence to play a round of hashtag Ken's Friends. Now, Ken's Friends, for those of you who don't know, is one of our more idiotic slots that we developed after you, the listener, complained that Murph and Owen never correctly answer any questions Ken puts them during the course of the show. Here's the original example. He's like Nicolas Cage in, was that movie with uh, John Malkovich? Con Air? Uh, Con Air? Yeah, the, the echo really accentuates the dumbness, doesn't it? Uh, that saddens me every time, Murph. Because that was edited. That's a heavily it's edited not, It's not edited. That saddens heavily me, ev- apart from the echo. Uh, that saddens <laughs> me every time, Murph, because Ken is trying to bond with you by throwing you a bone, and poor little you are doing anything to impress your master. Well, I mean, I, I thought he was, he was looking for help. I mean, he's often floundering miserably in these uh, in these shows. I'm just trying to help. That's all. Now, many of you listening over the years have believed you could do a better job than Murph and Ken in answering uh, Murph and Owen in answering Ken's questions, and thus prove yourself as a better Ken's friend than his colleague of ten years. Now, this has come back on the news agenda today after this broadcasting abomination happened on our last show. Defoe is now only the fourth player to score ten or more Premier League goals up to set in ten different seasons. Who are the other three? Players? Can't believe you're doing this to me. Alan Shearer. Yes. Andy Cole. No. Ooh. 
uh, Robbie Fowler? No. No, no, no. What am I doing? What no. am I doing? No, okay. Exactly the wrong Can't type just, of answer. Let's just pull back. Uh, it shouldn't be that difficult. Not Thierry Henry. He didn't play 10 years in the Premier League, did he? No. No. Um, oh. That's quite an easy question, actually. I'll give you a hint. It's someone who's still playing. Someone who's still playing. Oh, no, kid, no. No, no, no. Oh, it's sad, isn't it? Again, I mean, I think that, that uh, on, the, on, the, on the flip side, that could have done with some heavy editing, I felt. I mean, it was torturous <laughs> enough the first time. Many of you got in touch. Thanks for that. Expressing your anger at Murph and wanting to be part of a new Ken's Friends. Two have previously come on air, Murph. Two have failed mi- miserably. Mm. Today's scumbag is Daniel Brady. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks very much. Uh, it's an honour to be called a scumbag on the podcast. <laughs> where are you from and where are you right now? And that is an unbelievably good line, isn't it? It's a bloody great line, Mark. <laughs> I've heard a lot of them over the years and this is really, this is a top class line. I mean, I'm, well, I'm from Calvin originally, but I'm currently in Dublin City Council, uh, the central office, whatever it's called. <laughs> oh, mo- uh, I think tax, just have it? really good 4G here. Oh, oh right. right. It sounds motivated so, by your job there. Uh, is it true you had, a, you had a job interview today? Yeah, I just had it upstairs there about 10 minutes ago, so oh. I'm kind of hoping they don't come out and see me <laughs> on the phone so, uh, acting very casual. Yeah, how did, how did it go? Well, you know, one of the guys winked at me at the end, so I think that's a good sign. That that is a Ken, that is, that, is a good is sign. That, a good sign? <laughs> that are grounds for a complaint. If you don't get the job. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can complain if you haven't been hired yet, but if I don't get hired, definitely harassment. Mm. Uh, did yeah. you screw up any parts of it? Are you are you regretting any parts of the interview? Um, no, I, I kind of held back a bit. The last interview I did, I kind of. I was myself too much, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, you went too Kevin on it. Fake, but I don't think you can be completely yourself either. Yeah. So um, I think I just did you stayed say, nicely in the middle. Did you say that your biggest failing is that you work too hard? That you care too much? No, I told them that I, I had serious pro- people problems. Oh, right, okay. And, uh, but I'm working on it. <laughs> see, if, see if that works. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, he's just too much of a perfectionist, Murph. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, yeah. are you the same Daniel Brady who won a second captain's mug recently for tweeting in your obscure sporting moment of the year to us? Oh, did you? Oh, Jesus. Well, a, I think the post you're a hungry bastard, aren't you? That's uh, pure cabin, anyway. But, um, yeah, that was me. Uh, there's yeah. no one vet these, vet these entrants, Simon. Jesus. Uh, okay, the rules are simple. <laughs> Ken will tell a number of stories from inside and outside the world of sport. I believe you've chosen seven today, Ken, uh, for some reason. You must interject to give the correct answers. Daniel, if you get more answers correct than Murph, you win a super lovely second captain sweatshirt uh, to go with Ooh. your mug, who I, which I don't think we posted to you yet. Anyway, uh, Murph, if you get more <laughs> answers correct than Daniel, the precious stock stays with us. Mm. The hooter will sound uh, for the end of Ken's friend, Simon, if you don't mind. And I will personally ding all correct answers myself. Uh, I need you here, Murphy. You know Owen hates when stock is down when he comes back from his yeah, holidays. I know, I know. <laughs> Daniel, are you ready? I'm ready, yeah. Murphy, you ready? I am. Let's delve inside Ken's brain. I am just starting, trying to start a conversation here, right? Yeah. Before you guys... You know, I'm just trying to start a conversation. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, we'll take conver- that on board. Our conversation starting glossary of terms in today's Irish Times contains, among other debatable claims, the assertion that the phrase cultural Marxism... Well, this, would be the, this would be the Irish Times published a piece today on the... Um, I'll have to stop you there. Alt-right, continue, continue alt-right please, Ken. No. Words. Well, I mean, there's certain points when you've got to come in, Daniel, if you wouldn't mind. Just, um, okay, it's when after questions, Daniel. You're like a dog. Uh, okay. okay, sorry. Beloved of notables like Norwegian mass murderer Anders Breivik, that's cultural Marxism, was coined by the right-wing intellectual Paul Gottfried, when in fact the true origin of the term can be traced further back to the 1920s and 30s to which country was it again? Oh, um, Russia, I know this one. It's uh, Germany, wasn't it? Germany. What p- what particular time of Germany? Oh, it, it would have been the Weimar Republic, yeah, so Ken. Yeah. Would there be any other elements of Germany at that stage? Any other? Uh, the National Socialism? Yes, Nazi, Nazi Germany. Uh, yes, indeed, under the Nazis, Kultur Bolshevismus became a popular insult to be thrown at artists suspected of introducing degenerate poison into the pure imagination of the race among the artists so labelled who were part of the 1930s creative exodus from Germany, was the writer of such works as Death in Venice, The Magic Mountain, and Dr. Faustus. But I can't remember his name, though. Oh, that's... Um, oh, Kafka. Incorrect. God damn. 
Uh, it was Thomas Mann. Thomas Mann. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah, of course. We know that the first yeah. theme was strong in the Mann family because Thomas's son, Klaus, wrote a 1936 novel, which in 1981 would become an Academy Award-winning motion picture. The story charts the moral compromises made by actor Henrik Hufkins as he strives to become a star in the Nazi-controlled theatre. But what was the name of the movie? Mephisto, Ken. That Mephisto! Was yeah, correct, Mephisto yeah. was the movie. In the, climactic, in the climactic scene of Mephisto, Klaus Maria Brandauer's hopelessly compromised Hufkins finally realizes that he is not Mephisto. He was never Mephisto. He's first, and the real Mephisto is being played by the Nazi minister who has been the puppet master of his career, staggering around in a field under the harsh glare of an enormous floodlight with the minister's sinister laughter ringing in his ears. Hufkins tries to declaim responsibility for the moral abyss into which he has sunk, screaming... Oh, what is it he screams? Ich bin nur ein Schauspieler. <laughs> ich, ah, come on. Ich bin nur I love ein the movie, Dan. I'm sorry. Right? Bin, I just love that movie. I don't have a computer on me. <laughs> I don't either. Listen, I mean, but of course, the excuse, <laughs> I am just an actor, doesn't wash. Because, well, why doesn't it? Because we're all responsible for the moral choices that we make. So at the end of the conversation, what have we learned? We've learned that Nancy wordplay is all fun and games until un, until what? Until someone loses, loses an a, eye. A population. Until 50 million people have lost their lives in a world war and most yeah. of the survivors have lost their souls is what it says here. <laughs> but I, oh, guess, I think I was close enough. Oh, that's a 2-1 win for Murphy. Come on! Ah. See, Dan, your oh, big Dan. problem there is you didn't watch that movie and then come into <laughs> yeah. work the following day and have a three-hour conversation about it with Ken. <laughs> a number of years yeah. ago. Da- bloody good movie Daniel I'm sorry you leave with nothing Murph you're vindicated once more and the sweatshirt stays with us this doesn't bode well for your interview Daniel and um, you're a great guy no. which makes it all the more difficult for me to press this Ah, Daniel it's tough I, 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 I'm, I'm not a fan of the Skype noise to end a uh, phone conversation with the listener I mean it's just it's so cold Yeah, it's what he deserved Mephisto you got very lucky there Murph I did I mean to be honest if it wasn't for me having watched that movie, I was in big, big trouble. Maybe the poorest version of Ken's friend so far? Well, listen, Mark, we we'll had a good run. We'll leave that up to the <laughs> listeners. Okay, Ken, John Giles won't be listening, but tell us what's on today's football show. <laughs> That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I want to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you Johnny man? <laughs> well, we talked a bit about the Titanic clash in the Premier League last night, Tottenham against Chelsea. Uh, we talked to uh, Dion Fanning uh, of Sports Show, who was in the studio with us to have a chat a little bit about Arsenal and whether it's time to make Arsenal great again. That's that. Yeah. Um, by the way, everyone, if you missed our RT Radio 1 special on New Year's Eve with James Vincent McMorrow and David O'Doherty, it's also available to podcast now and it features an unbelievable live version of Princess Purple Rain by James. We'll tweet a link to it, but just type Second Captain Sunday into your podcast provider and it should pop up. Um, we're actually hoping that hanging with cool musicians like James will force some of their coolness to rub off on us, but so far it's to no avail. Um, oh, I don't know about that, Mark, yeah. Speak for yourself. McDevitt started wearing I'm a fedora feeling. hat. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's on a barista uh, course. Yeah, he's got a cane. <laughs> Have you seen McDevitt's cane yet? It's really quite something. Okay, let's talk about one of the biggest draws in UFC right now. You know, we always like to use that term once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime does not apply to Ronda Rousey. It's once ever in human history. There's never been a woman like her. Her ability to not just beat great fighters, but destroy them. She's like a superhero. I mean, she really is a freak of existence. When Ronda Rousey leaves this sport, you may never see someone like her again. Not just in mixed martial arts, but in any sport. Yeah, the objective Joe Rogan to start there and uh, Ronda Rousey got wiped out brutally as you heard there in 48 seconds by Amanda Nunes last Friday in the UFC. It was her second brutal defeat in succession and a lot of observers have been too sympathetic. Here's Fox Sports' Clay Travis. Travis. I believe 
I believe this 100% with every fabric and fiber of my being. Ronda Rousey was entirely a media creation from people who wanted to be a part of the I am woman, hear me roar. Like the whole Hillary Clinton's going to shatter the glass ceiling. Like, oh, Ronda Rousey is here and women can beat ass as bad as men. No, they can't. Ronda Rousey was a media creation. She is the most fraudulent creation in the history of sports. And I bought into it. And I think there were a ton of people in the sports media who wanted Ronda Rousey to be good because it somehow represented their belief that women are better than men. You know, there's like a large cottage industry of women out there who are like, girl power, women are better than men, rah, rah. And, and you know, there's like people now in the sports media who make their opinion off of, and ESPN employs a bunch of them, and they're like, they make their opinion now off being like, not being like in the sports media opinion business, but being women in the sports media opinion business. And they make their living like going out and saying, I'm a woman, my opinion matters. And they're like, okay, what's your opinion? And they're like, my opinion is, I'm a woman, my opinion should matter. I'm like, that's not an actual sports opinion. Your comments on, uh, your thoughts on Clay's comments there, Ken? Presume you agree? (sighs) So, Clay Travis, um, if you follow American Sport, you may have come across his writings. Um, He, his his most recent big thing was was, uh, taking on Colin Kaepernick fearlessly taking on Colin Kaepernick, calling him out for his betrayal of America. Mm-hmm, okay. Uh, and now, uh, well, he, he works He works for Fox Sports. I mean, I, I'm not really sure how it works with Fox and Fox Sports, whether there's the same, whether there is, uh, you know, Fox News. Everybody knows what the agenda of Fox News is. Um, I've, I've been interested by this as well, whether there's a ideology tests that you need to pass for uh, Fox Sports. I you know, I I don't think that there is necessarily. I don't know how much of that can actually seep into a sports broadcast over and above what you actually see on the like what you see on the other sports networks. You know, is pretty jingoistic, pretty you know, like super patriotic. I don't know that you could say you know on NFL every weekend you can watch three games broadcast by three different networks. I don't think there are games where you can say, "Wow, this seems like a very Fox Sports kind of mm. broadcast." Mm. Um, well, you know it's not going to harm you if your ethos uh, mirrors what they deem to be a successful uh, you know, ethos or, or way of doing business on their news channel. Then um, pres- presumably if it's a comment-based sports show that you're going to have, that uh, having yeah, those sorts harm. of opinions uh, aren't going to help you, harm you. Uh, he, he went on for a while and, and the, the thing has gone, I wouldn't say gone viral exactly, but certainly been pushed by a lot of right-wing, like you'll find it on like teaparty.org and Breitbart mm-hmm. and various other of these um, right-wing sites who are you know, saying, oh, check out what Clay Travis has to say about this. And, you know, this, he, he first of all goes from, you know, he starts from the point that Ronda Rousey is the most fraudulent creation, whatever, created by the liberal media. Of course, he himself, he's someone who has previously tweeted, I think she would beat, uh, Ronda Rousey said she'd beat Floyd Mayweather in an MMA fight. I agree. That's 8th of uh, November, possibly the 11th of August, 2015. I don't know which way the month and day around. This is America. This is America. Um, and he's, you know, he's he's kind of... Uh, espoused these types of opinions in the past, you know, similar. But I mean, the fact is that that Ronda Rousey is a creation primarily of the UFC. I mean, you heard Joe Rogan. Um, now, I don't know if Joe Rogan would fall into. I mean, in the intro that we've just played there, I don't know if Joe Rogan would fall into his uh, definition of uh, this liberal media that believes women are better than men. I, I'm sure he would be interested to find himself put in that category. But you heard the hype. It's not once in a generation. It's once in human history. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Joe Rogan is, a, is you know, in that capacity, a hype man for the for the UFC. I mean, do we have Dana, Dana White? Can we hear from Dana White? Um, and she's the greatest athlete I've ever worked with in my career. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, there's, like, there's like a billion. You could hear him saying that a billion times. You know, he, he's hyping up. I mean, she was, she's a money-making star for his sport. But this, this is a guy who actually spoke, if you remember, at the Republican convention for Donald Trump. You he know, announced... the most famous man to have spoken at the Republican convention. <laughs> he literally was. He was, was like, what's Dana White doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he, you know he, he is an actual uh, Trump supporter. So these are the people who were, who were really um, pushing uh, Ronda Rousey. You know, this idea that, like, she's the, the creation of this. I mean, and that's before you get to the... The, the basic premise of his thinking that, like, uh, 
you know, oh, these people who think women are better than men, you know, this kind of, it's just so dishonest. It's so repulsively dishonest. And when you see, when you look at the career trajectory of Clay Travis from, you know, blogger to highly paid Fox Sports TV presenter, you can see how dishonesty pays the bills. You know, it, it works. Um, it's, it's an effective career strategy if you can deliver yourself. It's a bit like, you know, what we were talking about slightly earlier with, uh, with Mephisto, you know? I mean, of course, you, you assume a certain sentience on behalf of these people. Like, you, you know, it only counts if someone is morally compromising themselves mm. and while knowingly, you know mm. what I mean? If, mm. if someone is too stupid to realize, what, you know, that what they're doing is wrong, then okay. It's a pretty extraordinary thing for a, a sports journalist to blame the mainstream media for him, uh, first of all, massively overhyping an athlete, and then that athlete failing, in his eyes, failing him. Yeah, but he'll just say... He'll <laughs> like, say that is the most extraordinary... That's the most extraordinary gymnastics I think I've he'll come say, He'll say whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. You know, like Dave Chappelle, Coke or Pepsi, I don't care. You know, truth mm. is, I can't tell the difference. You know, whichever paid me more recently. Yeah. You know, whatever it takes, that's what I'm saying. That's what he's doing, whatever it takes. And if this is what people want, you know, a sort of a hot political take on Ronda Rousey where she's actually this liberal elite, feminist media has created this thing. Which, by the way, even in terms of, I'm not saying I'm a massive student of Clay Travis's work, uh, but in his Colin Kaepernick stuff, one of his things is that the NFL protests, these political protests are hurting NFL ratings. I mean, we were talking about the ratings going down in recent times. And that apparently is because, and it's, and it, I do think it's true because you'll see this, you know, if you look at any comment threads or anything, when there's a story like this, one of the American sites, there's loads of people saying, I switched off as soon as I saw these guys doing this. I, I don't watch football for politics. I watch it for football, you know? Yeah. And I don't want this political stuff and they always they always seem to be kind of get just, politics out of sport unless it proves my point yeah exactly and here he is here he is dragging it in where it literally yeah. has no place I mean the <laughs> yeah. two biggest the two biggest sort of hype merchants behind um, behind Ronda Rousey were were uh, well aside from himself were uh, Dana White who was doing it for obvious reasons and Joe Rogan whose job in, in that capacity I'm not saying he, he does this all the time you know and he's got his own podcasts and stuff but when he's working for the UFC you know he's he's not there to talk things down mm. put it that way you know so it's it's just such nonsense it's just such lies yeah I feel sorry for people who are taken in by this mm. kind of stuff well Rousey's also done something pretty special in achieving parity in a sport so macho and so anti-equality before she came along you know she forced the issue there and you have tons of women in combat sports now like uh, Katie Taylor who view Ronda Rousey as the person who she aspires to be and will try and replicate what she's done in UFC and boxing terms so boxers are just seen as boxers and that it's not just this kind of freak sideshow that's put on that has always been the case mm. and that in, in terms of other uh, combat sports like Christina McMahon told us it's so far behind the men's game and getting any respect whatsoever so she's achieved something amazing in that but also as a sports person let's just play the other clip that he had to that Clay Travis uh, had to say this girl was beating the crap out of a bunch of girls who otherwise couldn't fight and she finally got to the point where there were other women who could fight and she just got her ass kicked twice in a row Holly Holm and now Amanda Nunez which is a completely stupid point uh, for a start, these girls who are fighting other girls is horrible language to use for and and you know in itself really condescending. But also that she got beaten by this woman Amanda Nunes, who I presume now he is saying this is a real fighter. This is someone who finally could fight, and that uh, Ronda Rousey never fought anyone of any distinction. Well, Ronda Rousey um, was beaten by a person called Holly Holm, who was a really good boxer as well and, and you know he would view her in the same terms she immediately got beaten in her next fight by a fighter called Misha Tate who uh, Ronda Rousey beat easily in two fights mm. uh, and then also this fighter um, uh, Amanda Nunes also got defeated by a, a fighter called Kat Zingano who's another woman who's been around the UFC uh, uh, um, fighting scene for a while who uh, Similarly, Ronda Rousey hammered, you know, yeah. uh, and also hammered in 14 seconds. So it's not as if there's this, you know, new wave yeah, uh, of fighters coming through. These are Amanda Nunes has been around for a little while. She hasn't had, you know, as many fights as Rousey in the UFC, but still been there for a while. And just one last thing, Kendo, it's it's also a, it's kind of to really, you know, 
try and diminish anybody's achievements after losing twice. Like even if you're just looking at in boxing terms, Lennox Lewis, who was the foremost heavyweight before the clinch goes, you know, widely respected, got knocked out by Hasim Rachman, got beaten by Oliver McCall. You know, he w- lost those two fights. He came back and won afterwards. You know, their own everyone's hero, Conor McGregor. You know, is he? He got hammered by Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm. He got hammered by that fighter. Is he suddenly fraudulent? You know, immediately. You know. Yeah, don't it's, answer it's, that. It's, it's a, well, I mean, you know, when you when you were kind of going through the fact that that uh, Holly Holm was beaten by Misha Tate, who was easily beaten by Ronda Rousey, and so on, uh, and and how that would tend to uh, argue against the point he's making, <clears throat> I would say it's almost as though the facts don't matter. Yeah, this guy. it's, it al- it's no. almost as though this bears no relation to the facts, and it's just an opportunity to crowbar in this. Uh, this agenda. That's right. Whether it's to please his pay masters, whether it's what he thinks will please them, I don't know. I got something so embarrassingly, stupidly way off wrong. Which I 100% fully believe with every fibre of my mm, being. I don't know if you ever hear someone start a sentence like that, you know for a fact he's about to lie. This person is an idiot. Should we? No, that I can tell you. This I have to tell you. I I have to tell you. I have to tell you. Why do you have to tell me? Because it's so important. Whatever nonsense that you're about to say. I mean, he, he had a thing which we haven't play, we didn't play this whole thing, about how, oh, you think the media is liberal? You want to see the sports media. You know, the sports media is the, the most liberal of the liberal. I mean, everyone Just is like Just go to Augusta National in a year. You know? Of course, you'll find that. The Nazi party is actually set up by a sports journalist. Uh, although, maybe it was different uh, back in the post-sport, <laughs> post-sport Germany. A different atmosphere in the, in the press box. A lot of more kind of robust, manly locker room talk about uh, certain solutions that could be pursued to uh, solve the present difficulties. I heard today that our friend Carl Mannion is retiring from club football, Murph. Do you think it's time we made our own announcement? Oh. Our, our attempt to fill that big, deep-voiced GA club football void? Uh, I, I Simon, could I get a drum hell, please? The announcement, please. We're back, Mark. Well, we need a club, but me and Mark want to play Gaelic football this year for a club in Dublin. And... Uh, You'll be happy to hear any prospective uh, Dublin GA clubs out there that I have helpfully drawn up a list. Yeah, your, what are your terms You'd and like conditions? Me to go through? Yeah, yeah, please. This is we just don't so have much time, so rattle through. Yeah, them. this is just so that we're we're at an understanding before yeah. the season begins. One, I will play wherever I'm selected as long as the set number is 11, 13 or fourteen. <laughs> I will also play at midfield, but only to catch kickouts. Midfield partner will be charged with all running, tackling, etc. I'm happy to sprint, but no more than seventeen times a year. Therefore, any training sprints are right out and I will carefully ration out my in-game sprints in a fashion of my choosing. I will take all dead balls from inside the 45-metre <laughs> line. If there's a right-footed free-taker who's up to my standard, then I'll give him all sidelines from the left touchline. Failing that, I'll take all those as well. I'm happy to mentor any young up-and-comers in the club, but there will be a small fee involved. Checks where possible made out to my charitable foundation, the Little Murphs Urban Achievers. <laughs> and finally, all teammates must be informed that I'm happy to be a moving lethal target in the forward line. On the proviso that all passes to me be of a certain quality, the sponsor's logo across the front of the jersey should act as a good guide. Any passes outside of that realm will not be considered. And now that we have an understanding, you can contact us here at editor at secondcaptains.com. And uh, my sidekick, Mark Horgan, is my vibes man, so he will, he will also have to... He's a part of the deal as well. Yes, if your club is looking for two slow, lazy junior D footballers, tweet Murph about it. One has some ability, the other has none, but we come in a pair, so you have to play him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Mark has to play. I'm like the lad whose dad was the coach of the team. Yeah, you know? well, no, you're more like... Everyone my, hated that. Everyone hated that guy, actually. Yeah, you're more like my brother, who I'm just going to grandstand to ensure that, you know, that, that you're on the team. I'll, I will... Full of empty threats. That's what I will be. Okay, that's about it for the show. Tweet us at Second Captains. Email us at editor at secondcaptains.com. Thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends and we'll talk to you again on Monday. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Mark. Thanks, thanks, Ken. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, lads, and thanks for listening. He agrees with plenty. Just it's always who's saying it. It's never what's actually said. Ninety percent of anything is who's saying this, and ten percent is what are they actually saying. So, the ninety percent in Giles' case is oh, it's that twat. John is the best football brain in the world. He just thinks I'm an annoying twat. I'd never let you do. But if you're talking about the, the, the press, which you're talking about, have this you know, opinion of Guardiola, it doesn't necessarily mean that football people have. Yeah, I, I think I do like Ken Early's work. He writes fluently and thinks uh, cogently, but uh, I think he's wrong. 
the press come and go, as we know. You mentioned Ken Early. Well, yeah. you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with anything Ken Early says about football. He just thinks I'm an annoying twat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, what can you, what can you do? Can't please everyone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 